So I want to invite Jimmy up. Jimmy's going to share for just a few moments. Last week we had talked about our first core value. Lost people matter to God. Let me say that again. Our first core value is lost people matter to God. And so Jimmy is one of these guys. He's big. And if you don't know him, he can be scary. But he's an amazing man that he literally lives a life on mission. If you spend any time with Jimmy, there's one thing you're going to know. What he loves most, which is Jesus. Jesus has rescued him from, has delivered him literally from a life of of alcohol abuse and many different things. But in his context, as as a construction worker in New York City, right? New York City, he always, not once in a while, but is always looking for gospel moments. So I just want him to share just for a couple minutes of how God uses him on a regular basis. I hate talking in microphones. I hate put talking in front of people, too. So, um, A couple of years ago, I've been, I was praying for boldness. I was praying for what I could do um, as a Christian, um, just becoming a Christian in 2006 or seven, And um, I found on the Internet Jesus coins, and uh, I ordered them. And what I do is I walk throughout the city as I go to my different jobs, and I throw them on the floor. And sometimes I'll sit and I'll watch the people pick them up. You know, to me, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. I don't have to say a word to you. The coin says it all. It's Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And there's a repentance prayer on the back. There's a, um, I was working at the Whitney Museum. And, um, I would pass this church going to um, my job. There was a homeless guy there pushing bottles or whatever. And sometimes what I do is I'll put the coin in a dollar and I'll give it to the homeless people. You know, and I had, I must have gave it to him. And one morning I was walking past him and I felt the spirit say, give him coffee money. And I'm like, I only got three bucks. I ain't giving him nothing, you know. (laughs) And um, this is all within the block, and I'm like, Spirit says, turn around and give him coffee money. And I was just like, all right. Turn around, I, I gave him a dollar, and he looked at me and he said, you're the coin guy. He goes, you inspired me to read my Bible. That's all I need. I don't need to talk to thousands of people, I don't need anything, but to know that I touch someone, or Christ touched someone through me, is all that matters. One more quick thing. There's a guy named Anthony. He's homeless. He's an Iraqi veteran on Union Boulevard and Broadway in Patterson. And years ago, he was probably my first victim. I gave him, uh, you know, I gave him like five bucks and a coin. And uh, I came back like, you know, a year or two later with Joseph. And uh, I went to give him another coin, and he goes, oh, no, I still have the one you gave me. Anthony is, uh, I think he's dying, I think. He looks real sick. But I met him because he was reading a Bible on Union Boulevard and Broadway in Patterson, homeless. Not that I'm, like, feed-the-world type guy, but when I asked Jesus to... Break my heart for what breaks yours. 
and he puts these people in my life, this is what I do. Thanks. Lost people matter to God. And it's not just the homeless person on the street. It's the person at Merrill Lynch. We've heard stories from other people in our church of how they use their, their vocations as gospel opportunities. And as I was thinking about last week, I just was so inspired by Jimmy knowing that he not only does this in the city, we were like, oh, that's, you know, it's the homeless. This is what Jimmy does throughout his life. He does this in his neighborhood. He does this at different events. And it's not even about the coin. It's about his heart wanting to know the things of God's heart. And that's the problem with the church. Is that oftentimes we don't know God's heart. We try to tell God the things that we value rather than Him telling us the things that He values most. And so what we are doing over the next seven weeks, the next six weeks since we started last week, is that we're talking about our seven values of our church and of our denomination and of the Scriptures. And so the first one is simply, lost people matter to God. And one of the things that I love about the plant when I have friends that will visit from other churches, the first thing they'll say to me is, I don't really know anyone at the plants. That's called church planting. When people just transfer to transfer, that's church transfer. That's not oftentimes gospel movements. Oftentimes what you're getting is disgruntled people that are mad and they left one church to go to another and and they'll find another problem with that church as well, right? And so that happens again. But I'm so thankful for the people of our church that said, we want to love the lost. We want to learn the heartbeat of God. And so, the first thing that we know God values is lost people matter to God. The second value is very simple. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. Let me say this again. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. I want to read you a passage in Scripture and and turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now it's very interesting because when you get to Matthew chapter 7, there was already a point in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 after the Beatitudes that the disciples had asked a question. Lord, teach us to pray. And whenever you see Jesus' teachings with the disciples, they actually build from simple to more depth to profound. And when you watch how Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, I find it very interesting that in the beginning teachings of Jesus teaching the people and His disciples to pray, it was simple. Our Father, who's in heaven, Holy is your name. But then the disciples would just keep pushing into him. Come on, we want to teach us to pray like you. Teach us to pray like you pray. In other words, teach us how to have effective prayer. 
And when you turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, the, the title of this passage is called Effective Prayer. And, and here's what Jesus says. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who seeks, receives. And everyone who knocks, and everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now look at this statement. For everyone who asks, what happens? Say it out loud. They what? Receive. Do you believe that? Seriously. I think most of you would say no. Everyone who seeks, what? Say it loud. How many times have you sought and you found God? And how many times have you sought and yet you felt God was not found? And then it says, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be what? Opened. There's a progression here that we ask and we receive. But then there's these other times that in our asking, it just seems that, it's, that there's something more. It just seems like there's a little bit more depth to it. And so he uses the word seek to step in, to push in, to search. You ever have those times when you have quick answer prayers? Any of those, right? I loved when I became a believer. It seemed like everything I prayed for happened. Do you remember those? Do you remember that year? Do you remember that year? everything. It's like, Jesus, I need a Porsche. I didn't get that. But anyways, but it just seemed like little, like, seemed like everything. No prayer was too big. No ask was too big. It just seemed like God was constantly present. And then there's those times when prayers aren't answered and we push into it. But our human instinct is to what? Stop. He doesn't want it, so He won't give it. But there are times that we need to keep pushing pushing and it's called seeking and then there's those moments when we've asked and we've sought and it's like that parable of the woman who just goes to the lawyer's house and what does she do she annoys him right your kids when they really want something what do they do just say it out loud. They annoy you. Right? None of my kids are in here. Brandon, Becky, Ben, Lukey. Don't tell them or I owe them money. Okay? They will annoy me when there's something they really, really want. It says here next, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, I love this part because I hate snakes. Do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father 
give good gifts to those who ask Him. We're going to take the next little bit and we're going to talk about prayer. Because prayer is not the secondary acts of God's people. It is the primary work of God's people. And this will be my caveat to what's next. When you truly become a prayer warrior, you will see God move. A.B. Simpson started the Christian and Missionary Alliance on prayer. And he believed that prayer was going to change and radically change the face of this world. Millions of people. 2,000 churches in the United States were started through one man pushing into prayer. The primary work of God's people. So Holy Spirit, as we dive into this, I'm asking for simplicity. I'm asking for simplicity now as I speak, as I share. Not that I would convince or manipulate, but rather that Your Holy Spirit would motivate our hearts, would motivate our hearts to the things that You value most. And I pray this in Your name. Amen. There's a word that's used for a certain kind of prayer. It's called intercessory prayer. And the Hebrew word for inter- intercessory is to meet. To meet with. And you, when you study the word intercessory, it actually means to intercede. To go between. To be an advocate. To speak into. To be there. That we have stepped in to pray. I mean the seeking kind of prayers. I don't mean the asking kind of prayers. God, just give them a little better job. God, make it a little bit easier for them. But I'm talking about a prayer that we as humanity go before God and we step between that individual and God and say, we are going to do everything through prayer that the demonic cannot have a hold on their life. And let me tell you this, all of us in some form have had the power of the demonic have a stronghold on us. Is that true? Is that true? You look all throughout Scripture, starting with Abraham. God sent, God sent Abraham out to start a new nation. And that new nation began with what? Prayer. Prayer. God then sent Moses out to rescue His people. And He sent them out. And how did He send him out? Through prayer. Exodus 32. Nehemiah, when when the kingdom fell and the walls were destroyed and they were sitting around, God put the people of Israel on Nehemiah's heart to pray and to rebuild His people. And what did He do? He prayed. 
Stephen in the book of Acts stood before a crowd of angry people, unbelievers, didn't believe in the Messiah. And he stood before them, and as they were stoning him to death, he looked to the heavens and he prayed for their souls. And in John chapter 17, Jesus, before He went to the cross, He prayed for those who believed and those who would believe. And for the disciples, they asked God, Jesus, why are You so effective? Why is what You do works all the time? Why is it And Jesus said, let me teach you to pray. Let me teach you to seek the Father's will. Let me take you back to the basics, the heart of God. And God's heart begins with the lost. And then it begins with those who are lost and are found to engage with Him for the sake of everyone else. It says in Hebrews 7.25, let me just throw it up here. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore He, Jesus, is able once and forever to save those who come to God through Him. Listen to this. This is Jesus at the throne today. This is Jesus at the throne right now. He lives forever to what? intercede to go between to meet with the father on our behalf there are times that i believe that no one has prayed for me or is praying for me and something will happen i'll be like jesus you got my back you got my back you value me And you got my back. And what Jesus had done for the disciples went all the way through Acts to teach the people of God what is primary to God's heart. Them meeting with Him for the sake of the world. Dutch sheets. There's there's so many things that I read that are just so powerful. It says, intercessory prayer is an extension of the ministry of Jesus through His body. Who's His body? The church. We are. Whereby we mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to Him. When you live in a suburban culture, Prayer is not our primary act of the church. It's not. We're comfortable. We fought the same fight as our neighbors of of status and and safety and security and and acceptance that that we're almost afraid to pray for people because if we pray for people, we're either going to freak them out or we're going to mess with their souls. But we have to remember that someone has always prayed for us. I hate to do this, Beth. We have prayed for you, and you know that. 
for some time. Beth has gone through a tragedy in her life. And she came to a church that literally that first day wrapped their arms around her. And we've been going to war for her. Arthur, we've been praying for you that God would continue to show you who He is. The power, the majesty of all that He has. Kathy, you were on my heart all day yesterday because of all that God is doing and is going to do and will do in your life. For your husband, for your children who you've been so vulnerable with us about, even at your baptism, as much as she wants to see her children be successful and, and, and thrive in college and in life and all these different things, she prays that their hearts would be right. I was at a concert on Thursday night and Allie and Hannah, since the first day you've walked into the plant, I've regularly sought God's heart for your heart. That your passions for, for the hurting and the broken would come alive with gospel power. I prayed for my buddy Dave. <laughs> For 12 years, I didn't hear a phone call. And then one day he calls me. <clears throat> and he had to get together that day, of course. Right? They don't talk to you for 12 years and they call you. Thanks. And in that moment, what does he do? I need Jesus. Amy, we pray for you all the time. Because we see all that God has and is doing, and will do. Anthony and Sandy, the moment you stepped into my office to talk about premarital counseling, was the moment I began to pray for you. And that knucklehead right here, Omar, has been praying for you so much longer. saying, Rob, why are you doing this? Because that's what the church is. Aren't you tired of stupid sermons that talk about everything else but real life? I mean, let's be honest. The moment I walked into Josh and Allison's house five years ago, I've never stopped praying. They have become family and friends. Mary and Scott, I knew her in college. And I knew that one day we were going to be doing church together even though I never knew them. God said you will know them for a long time. Rich Gatto one time called me out. I drove his daughter to high school. She was my age, of course. He's like, you better have been nice to that girl. 
knowing that his wife was probably praying for me along with my mother. Right now, Jesse and Andrea and Debbie are all away with Touch the World, preparing kids for the world, right? They're training them. They're equipping them. They are praying that that their children first came to salvation and that they would live in a gospel movement, which they are. And right now, there's probably 70, 80, 90 kids that are literally diving into wanting to touch the world. My daughter's there. Ethan's there. Can I just put this down and just kind of keep going? Is that okay? We have been praying for our children, right? Ethan and Becky, spiritually and physically, since the day we've known each other. They got medical problems, yet they have the heart of gold. We are praying that God would not only transform their, their hearts, but that God would heal their bodies. Imagine if prayer actually became the primary purpose of the church. Joe, Nicole, I'm just going to keep going. We're going to be here for like ever. I've seen God show up in a lot of people's lives. But what God rescued Joe from was pretty sick. And I mean that in a good way. So if you're listening to this, it's not a bad sick, it's a good sick. Rescued. And the moment, the first time Nicole stepped in this church, he invited her to brunch. And now they're maweed. When we pray, we go to war. Ephesians 6.19. Read it yourself. We don't go to war with flesh. You can keep it up. Keep it up. You guys can read it while I talk. We don't go to war with, with flesh and blood. But we are going against forms of polities, demonic forces, things that blind our minds and our hearts and our wills. Let me give you one more quote from Peter Wagner. Because this is where we live in suburbia. Many people in your neighborhood and around the world, however, are not in positions to hear the gospel, no matter how brilliantly it is presented to them. Because the God of this age has blinded their minds. Prayer is the weapon that will break the hearts and the minds of all people whether it be Christians living in sin, whether it be Christians that are blinded in circumstances, or whether it be a lost world. Prayer is the power. I'm speaking very humbly here, so please be, if you know me, you know this. Since we started the church, we started on prayer. Is that true? And we've seen huge breakthrough, but we haven't even touched it. 
We have been meeting together as a staff very deliberately for over a year now. And Cooper comes and Marie comes. Marie's like the mother hen of the church. And since October, something happened. Something happened in prayer. It broke. I I even felt like a shift in the universe. Now that sounds weird, but just in my heart. Two weeks ago, we said, okay, we're going to pray. We got to kind of pray quickly. Let's just kind of, we have things to do. You know, we wanted to pray for three hours for you. This past Monday, we did the same thing. Two hours. Omar comes in on Tuesday, pray another hour. Because we know no matter how many programs or things we set up or gospel opportunities, they mean squat. Unless it's God moving in you. And you will not be moved unless your heart is broken for the things that break His heart. And your heart won't be moved until your heart is also healed through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer. And we need to, I just feel like there's like the picture of a sword, taking a sword and throwing it into ground and saying, our primary work is prayer. Amen? Seriously, I don't care if you're Baptist, I don't care if you're Catholic, I don't care if you're Reformed, I don't care if you're Pentecostal, I don't care whatever you are. Prayer is your primary work because prayer is what changes the hearts and the minds of people. If we got more concerned with praying for the people of this world, I believe we would allow God to bless us more. We would take our eyes off the petty things so He could provide for us. So the things that matter most are always at the forefront. I think about Chris. Chris has been with us here for a long time. And I say this very fearfully and humbly, I'm always like, I wonder if she's going to ever leave. Only because she knows she comes from a really solid church down south. And here she comes up north with a, a bunch of crazy guys doing things like God in the bar, trying weird things on Sunday morning. Yet I believe the only reason this woman is with us is because she prays. Is that true? I believe that there's something that when she comes, she hears just a little, I'm going to stay. They're pushing in. Manipulation would be is let's pray for this church to grow. Honestly, who cares? Right? I mean, seriously. We're going to grow one day, and then you're going to say, I wish it was like so small again. We're in the cafetorium. They're going to say, what's a cafetorium? We don't even know what it is. It's this weird room. <laughs> but I push you to pray because we live in a lost and dying world. And Jesus wants to be the healer. 
He wants to be the healer. He wants to begin by healing you so you would be a healer for others. Amen, Jimmy? Amen. Jeff, amen? Right? He wants to be a healer in us so we will be a healer in others. Emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, and even, yes, I will say it, physically. But none of this will happen until prayer becomes our primary purpose. Who do you love more than anyone? And don't talk to outside of your spouse and your children that you know is broken today. Who do you know? Who's that individual that you know that's broken? It's Mike for me. I've been praying for Mike for 20-something years. And this year I'm praying for him more. Who's your Mike? Who's your Mike? What would happen if God changed his heart and revolutionized their life? I don't want to be a church of programs. I don't want to be a church that's flashy. I want to be a church where people say, they pray for me. You see, the problem is this, you haven't seen prayer work. That's why it's secondary. It's not first nature. There's a teenager that goes to this church that has a passion for the broken and the hurting. And I watch them watch their school and the world. And I believe when the Spirit grabs a hold of that individual, it's going to revolutionize something bigger than they ever imagined. It's not going to be a, a teenage fling. It's not going to be this, this idea of you know, what the perfect world, it's going to be a gospel movement in their soul. Why? Because we're praying for that. Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Let us trust that you are a provider of all things. You've already mapped it out. You have it planned. Let us get consumed with what matters most to you, the broken and the lost and your people. May we just be a people that just pray for people crazily. That just pray for people crazily. That we would see our neighbors and our friends and our family members get saved. pray for Denise, who's not here, but is a relative of, of someone in our church. I, I ask that you would just show her a, a whole different side of your love. I ask that when we see that a movement of your Spirit and people coming in that we would not get caught up with what's next or what's more, that, that we would celebrate and pray harder, that we would be a people like the Moravians, like the Wesleyans, like our Alliance family, that we would dive in the prayer 
And that we would know that you would get so consumed with, with, with providing and taking care of us, that we would get so consumed with you that our heart would just break, that we would see people not just on the streets of the New York, but on the streets of Midland Park and Mawa. God, I have had visions of thousands of people just wanting to hear the good news of Jesus. But it's got to begin with prayer. God, every name that I've named and every name that I have not named in this church, radically gospel them this morning. Take a moment. Just let the Spirit just rush over you. This is a Holy Spirit moment for you. This is one of those moments that we just have to let the Holy Spirit rest on our souls. What do you need healing? What do you need salvation? Where are you lost that the Holy Spirit just wants to step into you? Who is that individual that is broken and lost that, that you just, all the time you talk to them, you're like, yeah, I just wish something good. No, you want to pray. Who is that person? to a time of communion and don't stop praying. I feel like this is a holy moment. I invite Jeremy to come up. As you come forward, who is God wanting you to intercede for? Who? Because Jesus is interceding for you. Who are you going to intercede for? Who's that name? Who's that person? Who's that neighbor? Who's that friend? Who's that coworker? Who's that individual that God is saying, I am going to haunt you to pray for this person? When you have that name, that's when you come forward. As you know, Jeremy and I usually bless you as you come forward. We're not going to do that today. We're going to let you tell us who you are going to pray for.